worship team, bless you guys. Great song. How many of you are glad God didn't give up on you and chased you, right? Chased you down. Yesterday, uh, I was speaking at this men's, you know, you always got to know where you are. And I was in Hesperia and I was using David uh, as an example with Psalm 121. And I, and I just pulled some funny things about who David was. In fact, I think there was a part of a man, uh, of every man in David. You know, we went through where he was the youngest. Anybody here the youngest in your family? You're the youngest in your family. You know, you get left out, like the big dinner with somebody. And I just slipped. I said, you know, he loved weapons. And man, you would have thought I was, yeah! I thought, oh my goodness, right? And then one guy, I, you know, I went through, he had a crazy father-in-law. Some guys, yeah, that's right. And then the last one I did was, I said, and he liked to dance in his underwear. And this guy shouted in the back, yeah, oh, he got real quiet. <laughs> said, well, we'll hold a special prayer time <laughs> for you after. I don't want that picture in my head. So open to the book of John chapter 5. And let me also encourage you to be reading daily with us in the book of John uh, today was John 7. In your bulletin, we start tomorrow, John 8. Read those chapters. I love today, even our reading, where Jesus cried out with that loud voice, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Right? For out of him would flow rivers, though, that living water in our lives. I encourage you to read along, even if you're like, I've read chapter 7 and then 8. This is the eighth time. Good, right? We need to read his word over and over and over again. So I want to look, I want to read that one verse that we've been starting with kind of every week. John 6, 35, just has kind of been a theme uh, where, where Jesus says to them this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That bit of let us, let us be people that hunger for his word and thirst for righteousness. That we're hungry and we're thirsty uh, for him. The promises that will be filled. But today I want to look at what John records as the third sign that Jesus did. The first one was the water to wine. The second one that he did was he heals a boy. The third one we're going to look at today was he heals the man at the pool of Bethesda. So I want to look at him. So if you turn with me, John 5, and I want to read uh, beginning at verse 1, and let's look at uh, this healing that takes place, and then I want to look at something that Jesus mentions towards the end there. And it says this, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool which in, is called in Hebrew Bethesda having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? 
Let me read that again. Do you want to be made well? Say that to your neighbor. Do you want to be made? How many of you know Jesus isn't sarcastic, right? I would never do a hospital visitation. On, so do you want to be made well? You like it in here, right? You like all these tubes and, you know, doctors coming in? Every, no, nobody, nobody does. Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise and take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him, Who was cured? It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them and he said, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Well, Father, we pray today, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit that is the teacher that shows us, reveals things to us. And we pray that you teach us today through your word into our heart that it becomes something that we need to hear today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. So this is the third sign. Uh, the only thing that I think is intentional about Jesus, remember Jesus' heart. He sees the multitude, the Bible says. And he has compassion on them. They were sheep without a shepherd. He was moved with compassion. So you think only one guy got, you know, out of a multitude got healed? I don't think there was anything intentional other than it was the Sabbath. In fact, if you, you read on later in there, you'll see it specifically mentioned about those leaders of that day. But Jesus, uh, at the end, I want to look at it at the end, Jesus says something that's a little shocking to him. He finds him and he says, go and sin no more. And we read that, right? Lest a worse thing happen to you. Oh, that kind of throws a question out there. Well, we'll look at that uh, as we come to the end because you think of, you know, did I sin? Is something going to happen? No, we'll look at what Jesus uh, meant by that. So there's a pool uh, that's out there. In fact, I want to put a few pictures up here as well, too. When the Bible records a multitude, a multitude usually is several hundred people that are around these pools. And remember what the Bible just said. There's a stirring that would happen in the water. The first one in, right, would be healed. So I want to put this first picture up here. And I looked at this picture and I wondered, is this a food line? Is this a line to get through a, a, maybe a border crossing? I mean, there's definitely multitudes of people. You know, what are they lining? This was a lineup for people seeing the original Star Wars. <laughs> right? <laughs> now, we're used to people lining up, aren't we? I read one where the two Star Wars ago, some guy camped out for 12 days 
to be the first one in the theater, right? So this is a, a multitude of people, but they're lined up. They're not lined up for what we're looking at. The next picture here is actually a rendition of what those pools would have probably looked like in those days. And those pools were fed by a spring that would come up. Now remember, desert, hot, right? Uh, if you didn't go to the River Jordan or you didn't go to the Sea of Galilee, this was probably one of the places that you would go to cool down. Problem was, there was stirrings that would happen in the water and people would get healed. So instead of it being a, you know, a resort destination for people to hang out, as we read in the Bible, it was full of those that were sick, those that were lame, those that were desperate to get in, uh, to get healed. And then the last picture up here is, is one of the Jesus films that kind of shows a depiction of the water getting there. And up top, you can see Jesus talking to a man as we saw him before. He had nobody that could help him get down into the pool, into the water. He had no help, no help. You know, we had, um, we've lived in a place before, in fact, in North Carolina, they had a community pool. And so there were several times, even on a weekend, that you'd go and there were so many people in that pool that you'd end up leaving and then you'd come back only to find out that somebody threw up in the pool and they closed the pool. I remember my son one time, he wanted to go, it was after church on a Sunday, he wanted to go swimming so bad, and, and uh, I said, all right, give me a little bit, we'll go swimming. We went down the pool, and there was a diaper floating in the pool. They closed the pool for 24 hours. So when we finally, we were leasing a house from a friend that he had his own pool, we were excited, right? You have your own pool. Some of you in here I know have a pool. Uh, we were excited about it. In fact, even the kids were trying to move in this house, couldn't find them. They're in the pool. That's where they want to go. Having a pool is like having a pickup truck. You become everybody's friend. Right? I heard you have a pickup truck. You know, I, I just have this little load. It probably wouldn't even fit in your bed. Could you sure help you out? Ten loads later, right? That's how it you know, help. Can I borrow your truck? Well, the pool's the same. I, did I hear, did, do you have a pool? Yeah. Do, do you think I could do a birthday party at your house? You know, in, the, in the pool, but we did. We had birthday parties, we had cheer parties. Uh, the neighbors were already always over. You know, it was kind of fun to have uh, your own pool. Pools are a lot of work, right? They take a lot of time. They're great to have. But I remember one morning waking up. I remember it being after four in the morning, and I heard water running. And I thought it was a toilet. You know, that, that had been running. And I checked a couple toilets, nothing. I checked the sinks. Then I thought. I wonder if it's the sprinklers, you know, maybe I went outside, sprinklers were off. I went out in the backyard and I could hear the water running. It's dark. And I walked out and I can hear it coming from the pool. And I looked at the pool. The pool was completely full and starting to overflow into the backyard. And it was the automatic float that kept the water filled in the pool that had gotten stuck. Had I not heard it and seen it and left for the day and come back, we would have had a river in Anaheim, right? Rather than, uh, so pools are a lot of fun to have. And in these days, though, this pool had become a place of healing for the one that could get in. Now, some of your Bibles uh, will read that the original Greek manuscripts took out verse 4. They took it out there. And they, they removed the stirring of the water, the angel stirring of the water. And a and a lot of it was that they didn't think John accurately put that in there. 
We go back to the inspired word of God. If you can believe that Noah loaded two of every animal on an ark, I think you can believe a little angel doing a stirring in the water. If you can believe that Moses put up a brazen serpent and if people looked at it, they got healed from a snake bite, you can believe in an angel bubbling in the water. Right? If you can believe earlier before that Jesus turned water to wine, can you not believe that an angel can stir the water and somebody get healed? But the Bible lets us know it doesn't say when it took place. It just was something that had happened. And so evidently this huge crowd shows up, camps out there waiting for it to stir, the water to stir. I was reading one author and he said this, it was called the battleground of wounded bodies. And then you see a pool. Usually it's the opposite. It's people having fun in a pool. But this one was opposite. I, I like that illustration. It was a battleground of wounded bodies. And then you see a pool. You know, we read in Acts 19 that Paul did, in fact, the word is unusual miracles. Unusual miracles. And then it gives us a couple descriptions that he took an apron and a handkerchief. And when he took those and brought them to people's bodies, they were healed, diseases left, and the Bible says evil spirits left. So if we can believe those things in the Bible, we can believe a stirring of the water that would happen, that would people would be healed. But why would anybody want to stay in one place? if he couldn't get down to the water. Why would you stay there if nobody, you probably were hoping somebody would get you down there. And I can imagine a place like that, that everybody is at the corner or the end of that pool that they wanna be first in, right? They're gonna be first in. So in verse six of John five, it says this, when Jesus saw him lying there and he knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him that question, do you want to be made well? And I had wrote down, that sounds really sarcastic. There's nobody that would say, of course not. I just love being here at the pool, sitting on my mat day after day. No. And remember, in Bible times, in Bible times being disabled, you weren't able to do anything. You know, nowadays, in fact, I had seen a young man at a Costco that was... Uh, selling solar panels but he was in a wheelchair and I walked up and he got excited thinking I was a customer and I wasn't but I just wanted to say you know good evening good to see you proud of you right here's a guy that's out there doing something nowadays if you're disabled thank God we have technologies and vehicles and places that people can go and and work and and live a somewhat normal life back in bible times you couldn't farm you couldn't be the shepherd out with the sheep you couldn't be a soldier. You couldn't be a carpenter. You couldn't do all of those things. You know what they would do? It's like we read in the book of Acts. They sit you at a gate and they make you beg for money. But this man's doing something different. He's obviously going to stay in a place because his heart is, I've got to get somehow get into that water when it gets stirred. Because I know if I get in the water, at least one person is going to be healed. So when Jesus says to him, do you want to be well? Uh, of course he does. And Jesus focuses in on this one individual, this one person. In fact, the word that Jesus used, do you want to be well, 
is the Greek word that we read that says, do you want to be whole? Do you want to be whole? Now that's important in a minute. Because what Jesus is talking about isn't just his legs not working. What Jesus is going to talk about is his heart and his life. Jesus is concerned about all of you. Every bit of you, spirit, soul, and body. He's concerned about everything about here. But what drove Jesus to the pool that day is that it's a Sabbath day. Religious leaders, you couldn't do anything. You know, if you had a candle that went out in your house, you couldn't relight it. It's the Sabbath. If the donkey got stuck in a ditch, you couldn't help him. It was the Sabbath. Nowadays, if you were to keep to that law, if the light switch wasn't on, you couldn't turn it on, right? You couldn't touch it. So how dare Jesus heal anybody on a day where you're not supposed to do anything? And how dare a man that's healed pick up his mat and walk around? So Jesus is going to address those religious leaders. But here's the thing that we see about this man. He's already on the edge of his healing because he's going to interact with Jesus. And Jesus is going to be moved with compassion. Verse 7 says this. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps before me. In fact, I had wrote this down there. It's not that he's just helpless. He's hopeless. He's hopeless. There, there, there's nothing that looks like this is ever going to get better. You know, Jeremiah 10, 19 is an interesting verse as I read this. And I wonder if almost this communicates what's inside the heart of this man. And it says this, Woe is me for my hurt. My wound is severe. But I say, truly, this is an infirmity and I must bear it. Truly, this is an infirmity that I must bear it. Well, in verse 8 and 9, Jesus says to him, Rise up, rise, take up your bed and walk. And say the word with me, immediately, it's one of those immediately in the scripture, this man was made well, took up his bed and walked. 38 years he had never walked. In fact, I added it up, 13,870 days, right? Had not walked. Immediately he got up and walked. So it wasn't only that Jesus healed him of whatever paralysis he had, there was instant strengthening in his muscles and his tendons and his ligaments. I'll give you an example. So my son has gone through the sports of playing basketball and playing soccer, playing football. And of course, he wants me to take him out to the field sometimes at night and let's do some drills. And, uh, and I'll let you know this. Every move needed is in my head. Right. I've got every move. It just somehow the signal doesn't connect from the head to the body. <laughs> right? Throw this or ch chase him down or shoot a basket or kick a soccer ball. I got all the moves. They're all up here. It just doesn't translate out. And then I wonder, oh, why is that muscle? I have felt that muscle. Why is that muscle sore? I never had that muscle sore before. Well, there's a little bit of a disconnect. I'm not, I'm not using it like I used to. How is it you're not sore? How is it you dribble all around me? How is it you could run back and forth and you're not tired? I'm tired from one layup. But how many of you have it? The moves are all here, right? I, I can see it. I just can't get there like I used to get there. 
When my daughter had her uh, ACL surgery in high school, it was interesting to watch that after taking the brace off, after six weeks, just six weeks, her leg had shrunk compared to her other leg. And they call it atrophy, muscle atrophy. And I mean, it was so visible when she stood up after six weeks. Do you know it took her probably uh, nine months of physical therapy three times a week to where those legs were even close. You could still see that that leg was smaller than the other. Nine months of working out, right? But here's we read one of those miracles. Instantly, these muscles are the size that they should be for this man. Every ligament, every tendon, everything needed to get him up, gets him up, right? And Jesus uses those words, rise. But here's what he says. He says, take up your bed and walk. I think that's interesting for us today. Because I would want to leave that bed behind. I wouldn't want to remember that for 38 years. Unless Jesus, and we don't see it, he's not thinking, okay, we're going to take you, I'm going to send you with the disciples two by two, and you're going to give a mat testimony. Right? 13,870 days living on the mat, today you're off the mat. You know, we don't see that all. Take your mat. Well, why Jesus says that is one thing, because it stirs up the religious leaders to where they attack him, saying, what are you doing carrying your bed? I think they had to have seen this guy at one time or another by the pool. I would think the first thing that you would look at was, here's a man walking. He's same guy. He's, you're tall. <laughs> I'm used to looking down at you. You're, you're tall. Let me carry that mat for you. <laughs> they attack him. It's a Sabbath. What are you doing? I just do what the guy said. Well, what did he say? Take up the bed and walk. Who's the guy? I don't know. Just some guy. As we read, I love what Jesus does. He slides back into that multitude, right? Disappears in there. His ministry had been just going. So here's what we see is we see a man that's outwardly healed, but Jesus is going to search him out because inwardly he needs some freedom. There's something on the inside Jesus wants to address with him personally. So outwardly the guy's completely healed, but Jesus is going to come. Now, here's where the story's a little bit interesting. You would think if that was you, you'd search out this man to thank him. You'd search him out to find out, where did you get this power? Let's go visit my friend Ned. He's on the other side of the pool, right? He's 37 years in. You, you would be thinking that this guy, he's just walking around and he's instantly attacked because he's healed. But I wrote a few things down. Whatever problem, whatever issue, whatever hurt, whatever struggle, whatever concern, whatever fear that I have in my life at this moment that might not go away, I want to know what would make my life feel so much better if it left. Let me ask you that question today. What issue, what hurt, what struggle, what concern, what fear, in fact, you might be able to add in dot, 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 if that one thing left, you would say, oh, my life is so much better. Have you asked God to even speak to you about 
that concern, that worry, that fear. If not, this morning is the great time to do it, to say, God, show me. You know, many times we do that. Sometimes it's just the one thing. If one thing got fixed in my life, boy, it would, it would align so many other things. What if Jesus asked you those same six words today? Do you want to be made well? Would it not only be a yes, but would it be I need to be made well from this? Because that's Jesus' heart. Even though he goes to one individual, he's now going to come back because there's something else that Jesus wants to see completely whole in his life. In fact, I, I wrote this down. Many times I'm too comfortable on my mat. I have it every day. I take it with me. It goes everywhere with me. Uh, and it would seem odd to think that you don't want to get rid of it, but have I gotten too comfortable with the thing that I know if that one thing got fixed? Oh, it'd be life for me. Maybe your mat it's anger. Maybe your mat is a marriage issue. Maybe your mat is a hurt, a hang-up. Maybe your mat is a habit. Maybe your mat is fear, worry, some type of anxiety. But don't get comfortable on the mat that you forget that you have a master that does want to ask you those questions. Do you want me to make you well? The guy at the pool had to do more than just receive his healing sitting at the mat. He had to follow Jesus' words and get up, right? Boy, he could have argued, hey, this feels great, but I'm going to wait till the angel stirs the water. No, he had to get up. He had to move. I always think, too, when we pray for people, I always, I always will say this most times. As we pray for you, do something that you couldn't do before. And use it as an exercise in faith, believing. Do something you couldn't do before. Trust God that he wants to heal your body. Because Jesus says those words, do you want me? Do you want to be made well? Now, John 5, 14. Here's what I want to look at here. He says this. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see you have been made well. Doesn't stop there, does it? Sin no more, lest a worse thing come on you. Now, is that good news, Jesus? <laughs> right, right? Aren't you good news, Jesus? I just, I got, the, I'm trying to get out of here. You know, these guys are harassing me because I'm carrying my mat on the Sabbath. And good news, Jesus tells me, worse is going to come on me? Is that what the Bible teaches? Is that the Bible teaches that if I sin, something worse is going to come on me? Let, let me uh, mention that a little bit. In John chapter 9, you can look at this later. There's a blind young man. And Jesus has asked this. Who sinned that he's blind? He says, neither. Neither. The woman caught in the act of adultery. What did he say to her? Where are your accusers, woman? I don't see any. Go and sin no more. So he's addressing this person as an individual with an individual. We don't know what happened. Let me use this example. Maybe he's a horse thief. 
right? And he was riding on a horse, this is my just analogy, and he fell off the horse and he's paralyzed. And that's why he's paralyzed. And maybe Jesus is telling him, hey, now that you're healed, don't be thinking painted horses now, right? Go and sin no more. I don't know what the issue was. And here's the thing that we can't think. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Don't ever think, you know, oh, this is happening because I'm such a sinner. Well, here's what we have to think about. We've got to come to our Father to confess our sin. The Apostle Paul wrote about, he said, many are taking communion and they're doing it unworthily and that's why they're sick and that's why some die. They were doing it unworthily, but they were coming in a time of the Lord's Supper drunk. Right? They were eating all of the communion piece so that nobody could get in. He said they're doing it in an, un I mean, they were doing it in an obscure manner that he said that's why some are sick. In this situation, Jesus is speaking to this individual because the Bible doesn't relate to us that sickness is a always a result of sin. If that was true, I should be coughing loud today. Michelle coughed. we got to pray for her. She's a sinner, but today she could be saved by grace. <laughs> no, we're righteous, Jesus said. We're in right standing with the Father. We're to come to the Father and to confess those things. So when you read that, don't go back. Notice that Jesus is talking to him about something and this lameness about him was something that had to do with sin. And Jesus was speaking to his heart and says, don't do this again, lest the worst come back. You know, some sins that I could do could really hurt me. I could go out today and be an armed robber. That's not a good sin, is it? There are things that people can do today to put them in a situation that the worst thing will come on them. But the righteous and the righteous that have in heart, we're not outdoing those type of things. We're seeking the Lord or we're correcting those things that we did. So when I read those, I need to remember that all sin is just missing the mark. But Jesus wanted to speak to his heart. He wanted to speak to his heart. Don't do it again. Because he's outwardly healed, but now there's something that takes place where he's inwardly healed free in fact let me close with this thought jesus doesn't just want to rescue us from our problems he wants to restore our souls i love that passage that we looked at a couple weeks ago and it was jesus talking about nathaniel and he said i saw you where you're under the fig tree what he didn't mean was that he saw this man and what he had on is he saw on the inside of Nathaniel. In fact, he said he was a man with no guile, right? Jesus looks down. He doesn't just want something physically removed. He wants that freedom to take place in our life. He's what I love when he's referred to in the Bible as the king of glory. The king of glory rising up. He wants to rest, not just rescue it, but he wants to restore all of those places. And that's why I ask myself, have I gotten too comfortable on my mat to where when Jesus speaks, I'm not ready to rise up and to move? Am I listening to the voice of the good shepherd? Am I making 
the adjustments that he's saying to make? Am I taking time because he does want to speak to us to direct our steps? Bow your heads if you would with me today. Father, I believe one of the examples that we see with Jesus is he loves people so much that he doesn't want to leave them like they are. He sees that abundant life. And in this illustration, a man that we don't know his name, a man for 38 years who struggled, is now up and walking, but there's a new freedom found in him because Jesus spoke to the root of the issue. Father, we thank you today in all of your wisdom, in all of your direction that we open our hearts to listen today. If we're out of line, bring us back and speak to our hearts today. We thank you that you've called us to be righteous before you. You've called us your sons and your daughters. That when we come to you, you don't cast us out of your presence, and yet you tell us to come to you in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sin, that you're faithful and you're just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You cast it as far as the east is from the west. It's covered under Jesus' blood. And Lord, we thank you when we read these examples that we're not confused according to your word, but we see the heart of the Lord. And I pray today, if there's anyone here and you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never confessed him as your Savior, I would like all of us to pray this prayer aloud. And I'd like you just to repeat after me and say these words, Dear God, I believe in Jesus, and I believe that he lived, and that he died for me, but he rose again. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for bringing me into your family. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. In Jesus' name. Amen.